Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. I'm Danny Kelly and you're listening to TalkSport Daily, where we get you up to date with all things sport and relive our favourite TalkSport moments from the weekend. On today's show, you'll hear Simon Jordan's take on all the VAR drama of the weekend, the best of the Ian Culverhouse game with Max Rushton and Barry Glendenning, and we'll be heading over to the Sports Bar Weekender. But first, the take of Chris Uwellemo, Tom Rennie and myself discussing Manchester United's thumping 4-0 win over Chelsea at Old Trafford. The performance today, he grew into the match. And uh, getting the goal, of course, that that changed the whole the whole United performance. I think the second goal, fantastic run, great ball in from Pogba outside, but the touch and the finish, it was so composed, and he's ready, hundred percent ready. I, I'm not convinced. Um, oh. I'm not convinced that he's that he's a centre forward. I love his pace, and I, I mean clearly he has a load of great things going on for him. We'll see how the season unfolds because today, let's be honest. Everything in a game that was very close for a long time that could go right for Manchester United went right. By which I mean, think about Daniel James, who mm. might also be a, a, a hero here. Yeah, he made an absolute sow's ear. A, he made a pig's bunion, whatever the phrase is now, out of the first chance. <laughs> I have never heard pig's bunion, but no, I no, love it. No, I'm moving forward with that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to copyright that. There's so much else here on the program. Um, and it, it, his first, it was an air shot for his first thing. But the, by that time, Chelsea had so given up the ghost, they just let him have another go. And he scored with it. It's just one of those days for Manchester United and their players. I'm, I'm really surprised, Danny, that you, you think that Rashford isn't ready. Can I'll, I'll put it back yeah. to the likes of Harry Kane, mm-hmm. when Soldado's having a half, uh, an average season. Was Harry Kane ready for that? That that, that Well, actually, the, the thing that's, that's, that kept um, Harry out of the team when he was suddenly ready was Adebayor. Um, yeah. I remember putting on Twitter a picture of a man facing into the corner of a room with a massive dunce's hat, and I said, this is Pochettino. Um, every one of us could see from the League Cup games and the Europa, the Europa League games that Harry Kane was a mile better already than Adebayor. I suspect that Adebayor's gigantic wage packet may have had yeah. something to do with his continued selection, but Harry was ready. No, Rashford is already a very fine player. I'm not sure he's a centre-forward, that's all. Yeah. And, I- I mean, you know... It's very hard, isn't it? Lukaku's problem was that he's no good, particularly with his back to the goal. He's not good at joining up. Marcus, his pace kills teams going forward. Are they complete centre-forwards of the kind that a club of Manchester United's stature would normally have or require? I'm not sure that's the case. But but he has plenty of time to prove me wrong because, um, you know, I'm thinking back to Thierry Henry. There were moments when I thought, 
Is this really real that he's now a central striker? Uh, about a thousand goals later and 85 defeats of Tottenham. <laughs> I thought, yeah, he's, he's doing it now. Now to Simon Jordan's final word, where the former Crystal Palace chairman talked about VAR and in particular the controversial game at the London Stadium where champions Manchester City smashed West Ham 5-0 on Saturday, live on Talk Sport. The fact is that I actually think the decisions that VAR took and intervened with were, were the right decisions. I know there was some, some ideals that potentially... The offside that was the offside goal that was given was not or not given was the was was something Gabriel Jesus's goal yeah, yeah was something that uh, that was debatable but the whole the whole concept of VAR is to evolve the game we are we are always Dan we are always going to have a teething problem we are always going to have a situation where the Premier League has sat back for a year and waited and tried to learn because we believe and, and I think rightly so and I think you probably do as well that there's something unique about the nature of our domestic football I know we're becoming more homogen you know more homogenised in terms of the fact that the football's becoming sanitised there's not a lot of uh, tackling going on oh but there's still many many things about the English game particularly pace. the Premier League game pace, yeah. that, are, that are completely different from other leagues and I, I mean I saw Neil Swarbrick who uh, who is one of the referees charged with bringing this thing in on Sky at the, before the weekend started and I'm going to have to say these words I have to sort of swallow something first hard and jagged <laughs> he was really impressive and if the referees uh, and the people in, we call it the VAR truck, but they're all down oh, in one building in London. As he is, yeah. If they are as good as their word, yeah. then it sh- there shouldn't be a problem or too many problems. He His number one concern seemed to be not to take away the pace of the English game, yep. not to be having huge, long uh, interjections where it's going back and forth between referees and screens. In fact, he said yep. if the referee has to go over to the screen, they've almost failed the system. Absolutely right. And, and I think that's absolutely right. And I think that, you know, that the, the criticism last year was that we sat back and let the other leagues, you know, take this initiative. I actually think that was probably quite sensible. Smart. because Because, you know, we're looking back, we can learn at other people's... Uh, not so much expense, but we can learn other people's experience. And we are taking this this technology, embracing it into a rather unique set of football that we play in this country. And I anticipate that VAR, once we get past the narrative of people's dissenting perspective, that people start, it doesn't matter what VAR does, there'll be certain segments of the media and certain segments of the football fraternity that sit there and go, I don't care if it gets 99.9% of these decisions right, I'm still not having it. And of course, there are two things I want to say about that. One, yes, they learn from other leagues, but critics the Women's World Cup, which made such an impact around the world, but the use of VAR on that was terrible. It was intrusive, yeah. and it actually dictated games. Now, maybe the quality but of the But I think the refereeing was poor. Uh, then, yeah, and and I agree with that. Process. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and so what they had to do, we cannot have whole matches dominated by conversations between anonymous people in, in television not. studios Absolutely and not. the referees. And they, they learned very quickly from that. And secondly, if you want to see how the thing can work properly, I know it's a different sport, the Ashes is the very apex of professional cricket in the world. And we saw in that first Ashes test, was it 12 or 13 decisions by two of the world's leading umpires overturned that were wrong, because yeah. they were wrong? Simply yeah. as simple as that. And it affected the game. And it, but it, the players can see it on the screen. The fans can see it on the screen. Oh, that wasn't out. Oh, that was out. End of conversation. Uh, end of story. I mean, we're talking about the world's biggest game, and we're talking about the introduction of tech and the need for it. And I've never been of the mindset. I remember writing articles in 2005 about Seth Blatter resisting the goal line technology and the fact that there was a quaint mentality that English or football has, which is jumpers for goalposts. This is the world's biggest game, and I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, you know, uh, funny or amusing or in any way 
justifiable that decisions are made that are wrong. And with the advent of the TV companies and the 24-hour, 360-degree, seven-day-a-week scrutiny of every single decision... Slow-mo as well, and, of and, course. And, you know, it puts the refereeing fraternity under inordinate amount of pressure. So I think once we get past the preconceived notions about VAR, we're going to be into an area where it really, really enhances the game. Away from the football drama, here's the Ian Culverhouse game with Max Rushton and Barry Glendenning on yesterday's warm-up. A new season, new dreams, Barry, for Culverhouse. How are you feeling? Um, underprepared, undercooked. Okay. I, I've I've summered well. Have, yes, the weight test was not kind to you, hasn't it? Well, I've, I've, I've reset that uh, from the start of the Premier League season to the end. Uh, the goal is to lose three still. What, by the end of the Premier League season? Yes. Okay, probably have to train with Burnley, I would suggest, uh, if you want to do that. I may have to do that, but in terms of Culver House, mm -hmm. I suspect you were on holidays, you were probably getting up early in the morning, mm -hmm. having a few Protein practice shakes. games yeah. with, with uh, the future formers of Rushton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I haven't given Culver House a second thought. Well, let's see. Who over knows? the summer. Who knows? Let's play. Darren Barnard. Phil Parkin. Oh, God, I've got... What have I done? Ian Culverhouse, <laughs> I mean... Barry... Oh. Barry, you, you know, you, you came here at the start of the show. You said you weren't worried about the other warm-up that I host. And straight out of the blocks, you Phil Parkin. I mean... <laughs> I meant to John Parkin, didn't you I? You meant to John Parkin. And even still, I'm not sure that would go. Really? Yeah. I mean, so many mistakes. So many mistakes in two words. All <laughs> the good work that we've done in one hour. And it's been a pretty good hour. I, and I, you've ruined I it. think I know what's happened. What's um, happened is you've you've basically you have brought the in, not just Culverhouse you brought the whole show into disrepute and I don't want to say I don't want to work with you anymore but that that is a bitter pill for me to swallow I, uh, people don't want one sided games of Culverhouse right? if I can the, no 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 that people what is really important is that it is competitive what we can't have is someone just turning up and rolling someone over without even having to try that is one of the major problems with Culverhouse at the moment. If people are really worried about it. Okay, maybe maybe I've got much more resources than you have, but even still, you've got to be able to put up a fight. And for you not to be able to do that, it does mean that in some ways the game has gone. And we, for all fans of Culverhouse, it doesn't matter if you support you or me or someone else, that is a huge problem at the absolute elite end of Culverhouse. Well, if you just let me explain okay. what happened. Yeah. I had just read... Uh, a little article about Phil Parkinson, uh, Bolton boss, heroically pleading with Lawrence Bassini to get out of the beleaguered League One club. Mm -hmm. And then I went to start with John Parkin, mm -hmm. but I got a little confused mm -hmm. and ended up saying Phil Parkin. But the real key of Colvaz is when you cross that white line, you've got to forget about everything else that's yes, going on. I appreciate in your life. That. That, that's the whole point. It's a release, it's escape for you and me and everyone. Well, I made a mistake. All I can do is apologise yeah. unconditionally. Mm. Not well. not to those who were offended by my Phil Parkin, mm. to everyone. Yeah. I've let myself down, I've let you down, I've let Talksport down, I've let my family down. I'm sorry. Is there any coming back for Barry Glendening? Now let's head over to the Sports Bar Weekender with Michael Kern and Craig Mitch. We know the top six are the top six and it's always yeah. going to be difficult, but... 
when I looked at the game overall, I thought Newcastle made a good account for themselves, especially con- considering the conditions and everything that was surrounding the club off the pitch. Hmm. It wasn't a bad performance. No, it was, and I thought their intensity was good. I thought the way they conducted themselves in the game was good. There was some good debutants today. Joel Linton, I thought, did quite well today. Um, there, was, there was quite a funny moment in the game, which I thought was quite fun, um, when Williams come on. He didn't quite get the instruction of, you need to go out to the wing yeah. and bring Matt Ritchie into the middle. And he had this kind of like 60-second, two-minute spell of just like bombing around the middle of the park. And Steve Bruce is like, what are you doing, fella? Get back. <laughs> You're on the wing. Get back out there. Um, but look, no, I thought Newcastle had a good account of themselves today. I thought their intensity was good. And I think if they can continue that through the season, I think they'll definitely pick up the points. Um, and you obviously mentioned the fact that the whole boycott. I think they're only about 4,000 short. So there was still an appetite to kind of get behind this team. And obviously Matt Ritchie in the week made comments supporting Mike Ashley. And actually he got a very good reception from the fans today, which I thought was quite interesting. But yeah. look, at the end of the day, you're in the situation, aren't you? And I thought the actual game was a, was a bit of... a a glimmer of light for the Newcastle fans that have obviously, you know, having some difficulties up there at the moment with with their beliefs on how the club's being run and, and the way they're seeing things. So I think, you know, some real positives for them to take away today. Definitely some positives for them to take away. When we look at Arsenal, I mean, favourites for the game, naturally. Mm. Uh, when you saw the starting lineup, you was looking at him thinking, OK, this is interesting. A lot of young players out there, the likes of Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, Furthest thing probably from their starting eleven that will go forward. Obviously, they've made signings as well. Introduced Pepe in the second half. Sebalos. They looked good in spells, definitely. I mean, mm. they were sharp. They were cutting through. Aubameyang, fantastic finish. I mean, he, he's definitely going to be, be a shoe-in for the Golden Boot again this season, isn't he? Yeah, no, I think he took his goal well. Uh, his movement off the ball was great. I think... <sighs> Arsenal did all right. They didn't blow me away today, like you said. But then again, you've got those players to come in. David Lewis is on the bench. Mm. Tierney will be back after his hernia up soon. Um, but I thought, you know, the youngsters that are in, I thought did very well when, yeah, before very he came off. Very, going um, forward a lot. Yeah. Xhaka and Guendouzi in the middle were actually really good in the middle of the park for mm. me. Really controlling the game. And I feel like Arsenal, once they really do hit their stride and have that front three going, whether he decides to play Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe, they're going to be dangerous for any side. No, I think they are. And and if we look at the transfer when they're just gone, I think it's fair to say Arsenal, I think, did the best business out of all the Premier League clubs when you look at what they've done, what they've acquired. 100%. And it takes time to bed in, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. It does take that little bit of time to bed in. Um, but look, Arsenal weren't overly convincing today, but they got the points and they'll obviously be happy with three points to kickstart the season. Manchester United, though, they look strong. We're, we're all making all of these judgments of just one weekend of football. But I would definitely wouldn't count uh, Arsenal out. We know the Europa League can be a distraction. Mm. And, you know, they fell just short last year in the final against Chelsea. So they're definitely going to want to go for it this year. But equally, so will Manchester United. We heard Jose Mourinho earlier on Sky Sports actually talking about the fact that Manchester United when you look at their objectives for this season, winning the Europa League has to be one of them. And I think for, sure. Una, for Una Emery, someone that's won it many times and has become almost a specialist in winning that competition, bar the final last season, that's definitely going to be something on his radar as well. But will that prove a distraction for, for their domestic campaign, in your opinion, Michael? Do, do you know what? It's always tough, isn't it? And, if, and it, I always find it a weird discussion when you say, oh, Thursday night football, and obviously the travelling is a little bit further, it always seems, in the Europa League as well. And, you know, you're then playing on the Sunday and it's a bit of catch-up stuff. But look, at the end, they're the professional athletes and I think they'll, they'll go in with the right mindset. And will it be a distraction? I don't know. I think this side's a lot stronger than it was last year. Yeah. And I just think kind of, you know, we can always try and use the Europa League excuse but I think actually the quality that they've purchased I think once they're all gelled in together I don't think it will need to be used as an excuse I actually generally think they've got a good shot You've been listening to the TalkSport Daily Thanks for listening Make sure you subscribe so you never miss your daily dose of TalkSport 
Don't forget, Saturday's a game day on TalkSport as we bring exclusive live and in-depth commentary. So make sure you tune in every weekend to keep up to date on all the action from the league. See you tomorrow. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.